Welcome to Film Landing. Hi. Hello. Welcome to to episode three. Take three of our attempt to film to film to record episode three. Yes. Fun fun times. It's definitely not late at night at all. Um, but yeah. Welcome back. It's okay. If Griffin McElroy can record at midnight, so can we. Yep. Actually, it's not midnight. It's only like 8 o'clock. Which is, which is past my bedtime. I'm supposed to be in bed asleep. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I don't go to bed that early. I wish I did. Um, but yeah. So welcome to episode three. Um, if you didn't check out last week's episode, you should definitely do that. It was on Over the Garden Wall, which is not a movie, not mm-hmm. a film. It's a TV miniseries. And it's very good. Yes, so you should definitely check out the episode, watch the show. At the end of that episode, there is a kind of a 20-minute just moment of me talking about a show called Winx Club because the episode wasn't long enough. So that's also in there if you want to give that a listen. Um, But yeah, so here we are. And what movie were you talking about today, Marnie? We are talking about Edward Scissorhands, which... Neither of us had seen before mm-hmm. coming up with the idea for this week's episode. Uh, and it's a movie that we had both wanted to see. Um, so we watched it. <laughs> watched it, we did. And um, I'm going to ask you to pull up the synopsis for it while I give my rating. Have you decided on your rating yet? No. Cool. So I, I give the movie... I'm still, wa- I'm wavering between like a seven and an 8.5. That's the, that's what I'm wavering between so far. Okay. Here's the synopsis. A scientist builds an animated human being, the gentle Edward played by Johnny Depp. The scientist dies before he can finish assembling Edward though, leaving the young man with a freakish appearance accentuated by the scissor blades he has instead of hands. Loving suburban saleswoman Peg discovers Edward and takes him home, where he falls for Peg's teen daughter, who is played by Winona Ryder. However, despite his kindness and artistic talent, Edward's hands make him an outcast. Yes, that is very true. One quick little rant. It says that he has scissor hands. He has scissor blades for hands, but his hands aren't scissors. They They don't function... In the way that a scissor does. Would you agree with me on that? There are multiple scissors in the hand. And they, they do have handles if you look closely. Yeah, but they don't They don't scissor. They do though, I think. Hmm. Okay, I might be remembering like, wrong. In, in the movie, he cuts topiaries as a part of... It is topiary. That is the right word, right? I have no idea. I would have to Google it. I can, I can Google it while okay. you talk. He cuts topiaries and he does use it sort of as a, in a scissoring motion and they function as scissors. So I would say that they're scissors. It's, it's just not in the way that one would automatically think. I am willing, I'm willing to change my point of view on that. I, okay, I'm going to Google topiaries. Uh... (laughs) Relating to or being the practice of art of training, cutting and trimming yes. trees. Yes. So, um, so Edward Scissorhands is a to- topiarist. It's his art form. But before we get into the that whole thing, uh, I'm gonna in- kind of just kind of start talking about um the beginning of the movie. So from here on out is spoilers, um, which you probably knew. You know, the movie's been out since what 1990. Yeah, so... Wait, no, it was 1980. No, it was 1990. Because we said that it was very 80s. Right. But it was but it was made in the 90s, technically, but 1990. But the movie starts out with this... Um, so Edward lives in this, like, castle on a hill, this dark castle on a hill, and the movie opens up with 
a kind of pan outwards of the castle on the hill and it's snowing and my immediately my immediate thought when view when upon my eyes viewing this little beginning sequence which actually is not the beginning sequence we'll get to the title sequence in a minute it um it reminded me a lot of a snow globe which i think is just a really interesting detail i don't know if that was intentional but to me it seemed pretty cool because um it just kind of added to this whole idea of edward being somewhere isolated and separated from the rest of the world and also he's kind of something that gets ogled at in the town which i think is interesting another thing that that whole snow globe thing does is it sets up that everything in the movie feels very fabricated it feels like a little world um that is so separate from our reality and it though the movie is live action um it's directed by tim burton yes and tim burton's also done a lot of like claymation things and uh, one of the first things I noticed is the opening credit scene reminded me a lot of that claymation stuff, even though I guess it's just animated, probably with a computer. Um, the way that this world feels so fabricated uh, reminds me of that claymation stuff. Yeah, and I think that's that's very interesting because um, that in the beginning it opens up with um, obviously the snow globe thing that I was talking about, and then an older woman kind of starts to tell the story of why it snows to her granddaughter, and so we open up on this little suburban town, and the for the movie there was actually an entire little suburb that um, had all had all of the buildings painted different pastel colors to kind of add this, this whole idea of unity. And we look at the houses and they're all cookie cutter houses, which I think adds more to this idea of fabrication. This is, um, it's very set like, even though it's shot in a real place. Um, it's always pretty, like the sky is always really blue and clear. And I think this whole idea of fabricated. What do you mean by it's shot in a real place? It's shot. It's, it is a set. It's shot in a real suburb. Really? Yeah. They had they have a whole little suburb that they they um took and painted the houses different light colors to kind of add, yeah. It's okay, a, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this in um a a video essay that I was watching, but I think that yeah, the fact that what I was going to add to that is that I think that the fact that they it's in a real place but they make it look so set like is really interesting to me because as we later find out throughout the movie none of the characters or the people in the suburb are perfect or in any way shape or form they're very very flawed and very very human but they they kind of live in this world where they think that they're all part of this cookie cutter shape and then edward comes in and he's the different one and he's the monster because of his appearance it's very sheltered it seems you never really interact with the quote-unquote like outside world the husbands go to work but we don't really know what they do or anything there's no implication of like a city outside of the suburb there's no we never leave the suburb or the castle yeah or this particular street really i think we move around the suburb a little bit but it's it's all the same neighborhood and the castle is somehow within that neighborhood which is really really just just which I which adds more again back to the whole idea that he's so separated, but also I don't think I don't think so different from the rest of the people there, um, from the people inside of the suburb. I think I think it just it's a really cool way that they had it because um, the movie then moves on to so it opens up on the suburb and then we have Peg who is the main she's one of the main characters. And she's going around selling makeup products? Yes. Yeah, so her sort of going around selling makeup products is a great way to introduce the character and setting, I think. And 
So she's followed around, going door to door. She obviously knows the people that she's trying to sell to. So she'll have conversations with each of them. And we're introduced to the set of characters that we follow throughout the movie. And while the sequence is going on, the camera never leaves the suburb. It never cuts up to the castle at any point until she decides to... Actually, we see the castle in like her rearview mirror, right? When, yeah. She, right before she decides to go up and explore the castle. We don't we don't see we don't see it. We see her look over at her rearview mirror and then she t- tilts it to then where we see the castle. We already knew that it was there, but we weren't really we weren't really connecting it to the suburb, I think, in our minds. So it kind of shows how the people in this town ignore this giant thing. Yeah. Um, And she's obviously lived in this town for a long time and mentions that every season she goes around and does these door-to-door sales. But it's this specific time when she decides to go up and explore the castle and, like, knock on the door and see if there's anyone there, which I think is odd because there doesn't seem to be anything different about this in her life. Like, there's no... No catalyst. Yeah, she just all of a sudden is curious about this giant place that she's ignored. Mm-hmm. My my only theory for her coming up with wanting to go to the to the house is that she got bored of the same people every single time that she would go out. But other than that, I really can't think of a, as a concrete reason as to why she would look at this scary haunted house and be well haunted house. We don't know that it's haunted. Um, there's no like it looks haunted from the outside. It's very menacing. Yeah, there's no um, preconceived. I don't know, but there's there's nothing that really I think that we can that I can noticeably remember that kickstarts her deciding to change her regular schedule to go up to the house. Um, but once she does, I go back to this whole thing of separation of Edward being separated from the society when he really isn't that separated from them in that the gate to, to the hill to go up to the house is literally inside of the street of the suburb. It's not on some little distant path or anything. It's, it's, it's on the street so she just goes onto the onto the path onto whatever driveway to get up to the hill and it's not a very far drive and then she's there and i think that kind of again goes back to edward not being as separated from everybody as you might think but he is in the way that he's different or just in the color palette is, is what really separates them it's just the people it's they're all neighbors but because it's slightly different, they cause it to become more of a separated thing from themselves. Yeah, because it doesn't fit into their little aesthetic. <laughs> their pastel aesthetic. Their mm-hmm. And we see this later with another character as well. Yeah. But I'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peg gets up to the top of this hill and she... We're kind of a little bit it's not scary but it's kind of spooky the way that she gets up there it's um, a big tree covered path so she's in shade the gates torn down the it's all black but she gets to the actual house and there's this beautiful garden there it's um full of top- topiaries was the word right it's full of topiaries um there's i think a dragon and it um there and a bunch of just other things and then there's also one of a giant hand which i wrote down on my notes that i thought was really interesting because um right before edward's um creator dies he's about to give him hands but um he isn't able to do that because he dies and so i think edward kind of has this understanding of him being different because of his hands so he made this giant hand topiary to kind of resemble what it is that he's missing. Because the first thing he says to Peg is, I'm not finished yet. Um, Which I think is 
um really interesting and i I think it's kind of a way to hurt to be to be like no don't be scared like i i'm not meant to be this way i'm just not done yet i was just i was just made this way i don't want to be scary if that makes any sense yeah yeah so she goes up into the castle and explores and when she sees him she starts to back away because he's very disturbing to look at. Um, Which I think is really funny because it's literally just Do- Johnny Depp with pale skin. I th- I just think that it's funny how in movies and stuff, like, and then he was hideous. And it's some attractive guy, but his skin's a little pale. And he's got, like, yeah, disheveled hair. Yeah, his hair's all crazy. And he has scissors for hands. That's the scary part. But other than that, it's just kind of a dude. It's just kind of Johnny Depp. I, I don't know. I just think it's a little bit funny how they do that a lot in movies and stuff. But yeah, continue. Um, and then he says, oh, don't go. And she immediately starts like acting very motherly towards him and very sympathetically. Um, and we see like really how kind she is. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think later on we'll see separates her a lot from the people in in her little neighborhood. Um, but I think I personally think that the reason that she is suddenly becomes very motherly, she has two children and one of them is Kim, who is around, I would assume around Edward's age. I researched and I think he's supposed to be late teens to early 20s and her daughter's around 18 because she's a senior in high school. So I think... parents i believe i've heard i'm not a mom will always see their children as their as their children so she sees this guy that's around her daughter's age and he's living in this this big giant house all by himself and he has this his room is a fireplace which i think is just really interesting because i there's no master there anymore the guy who owned the house is gone so edward can choose where he sleeps but he chooses to sleep inside of a little fireplace and there he has a bunch of little clippings of of just different things from uh, i assume newspaper clippings and magazines which is kind of his perception of the world is how he sees the world is through these little clippings um which i think i just think is really interesting um that he chose to put himself inside of a little fireplace when he could have been anywhere inside of the house I personally believe that it kind of ties back to his very childish nature, his very like timid nature, if that makes any sense. But yeah, so Peg sees him, t- basically takes pity on him and takes him home um, back to her house. And as soon as she does, all of the other women inside of the the neighborhood see her with Edward and immediately assume she's taken a man home. Um, which I think starts to show the cracks between the cracks in this little perfect idealized society because one of the first women that we're introduced to, to is named Joyce and she we're introduced to her trying to cheat on her husband with the guy who's fixing her dishwasher and then later on she does some other horrible things but, but that's beside the point. She is she her and just the other people kind of show how this whole idealized little American town has these people in it that are doing their own wrong things. And now they're preying upon Edward because he's kind of this thing to ogle at. But they're but before they even know who he is, their immediate assumption is that Peg is taking a guy home to cheat on her husband. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of visual juxtaposition that goes on in the scene. And that goes on throughout the entire movie but it's especially prevalent when edward is introduced to this town Mm -hmm. yeah he's everyone is dressed in very not pastel but very bright colors there's some neons and pastels mixed in there and even when peg gives edward clothing to put on which i think is funny because he doesn't put it on 
actually he puts it on on top of whatever it is that he's wearing it's this very strange outfit um it's it's black black or gray pants with suspenders and a white shirt so there's no color being added to his to his color palette even once he's kind of put into the society which i just think is interesting um in and of itself um so so peg brings edward home and immediately we are greeted by her her house which is very it's a lot smaller obviously than the giant castle that edward is living in and not only that there's a lot of furniture which edward the house or castle that edward was growing up in didn't have there was a lot there's a lot of like nice furniture because it's it's a nice little american home and then uh, there's um i think there's a tv box and then on top of it there's a bunch of pictures of peg and her family which kind of flips back to when peg is introduced to where edward lives which is not furnished there's just a bed and then all the pictures he has is not a family or anything that's familiar it's a bunch of newspaper clippings and things that he's kind of and just things that are his perception of the world and then peg has these pictures of her her and her family her daughter which edward becomes immediately enamored with because she's so beautiful because winona Ryder was so good not was she's still very gorgeous that one that would have been really mean of me be like, oh you know back when she was pretty but um so it's very different from where he was living and i think it's a direct kind of parallel to life in town and then the life that edward was used to yeah uh oh i just accidentally licked my mic (laughs) (laughs) um so i think one of the next scenes is edward having dinner with the family yes and at this point the daughter is not home yet what's her name kim Kim is not home yet. Mm-hmm. Which we don't ever really get an explain like a proper explanation. She for. was camping with her friends. Oh, camping? Oh, okay. I knew that they came back from somewhere, but I didn't know that they were camping. But that makes more sense. Never mind. Oh, another interesting another interesting point about that is the kids are look like and act like they're from the eighties, which yeah. makes sense. But all of the adults are stuck in this sort of 1960s mm-hmm. aesthetic and roles. Um, yeah. Because they're all, they're all housewives. Yeah. And, and them and the kids going out camping, I guess draws back to my point earlier about how no one ever leaves this little community. Mm-hmm. I guess they do leave yeah. because they're younger and they sort of break out of the norms. Yeah. Which I, th- which is, kind of goes along with the age that edward is because edward is different and strange and he's the same age group as these teens who are breaking apart from the rhythms of whatever it is their parents are doing because they do go camping so they're leaving town and they don't really fit into well they do fit into the classic you know teens being teens role but they don't fit into it in a 1960s way i think that if they did they would all be really young because they would be the, they would be the baby boomers um but obviously they aren't because the movie said in the 80s but peg even she doesn't dress like she's from the 60s but she very much acts like it she just works at home and the husband's work something really interesting is that um when all of the women are talking about they're gossiping about edward they all go to this one corner but then all of their husbands come home at the exact same time. And then in the morning, all of their husbands leave at the exact same time. And there's like every other house, two cars will pull out and leave. And then the other ones will pull out and leave. But all of them are leaving at the same time. They obviously just can't all pull out at the same time because then they'll get into a car crash. So it's this rhythm of everybody going and this ebb and flow of everyone just kind of, at least the men all coming in at the same time and leaving at the same time all of the women hear about the same gossip go to the same place stay home all day do the same thing whereas the kids go off and go camping they come back and but they don't all they don't know there's not 
there's not really a rhythm. We don't see kids going to school, coming back from school. It's not part of the the rhythm of the the day to day, which I think is really interesting. saying that you think things are really interesting true how much longer do we have I do want to talk about this one character that we kind of randomly meet. I I have her in my notes as weird religious girl. I don't know if you have anything. I think I have her her written down as Catholic lady. Um, We're first introduced to her, I guess, in her own home. It's sort of the camera cuts to her watching these women gossip from the outside. And... She is not included in the group because no, she's not. she doesn't fit into their aesthetic and she doesn't fit. She's single, I'm assuming. And she doesn't wear bright pink colors. So we're introduced to her and she's wearing black and red mm-hmm. together. And the, and the inside of her house, too, is a lot darker than the, uh, the inside of the other people's yeah. houses. So she kind of mirrors Edward in that way, I think. Uh, and we see that through the visual. Her, um, the visual communication of her character, in the same way that we see that Edward is an outsider, through his color palette and clothing. Yeah, because he's not just an outsider because of his hands. It's very much his colors as well. And the first one of the first things she says. Um, that we hear from her is basically calling Edward a demon, um, some kind of evil that's come to destroy everyone. She's very super. Well, she has a lot of ca- um, Jesus candles up on her windowsill, and we see her. And she's playing the piano, and she's she's I she I don't know. She just kind of she will add to the hysteria later on in the movie. But she she comes in and she's she's like he's de- he's a demon like stay away from him he's evil blah 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 and we as we as watchers of the movie very much know that he's not we we've we've seen his interactions with Peg and we know he's very he's very calm and doesn't show a lot of emotion he's very he's very just timid and chill he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of things he does get spooked very easily and he's very curious about the world. But he he not there's nothing that from watching him at the beginning of the movie that makes us think that he's evil. And I don't think there's anything later on that makes us think that either. So it's very interesting for us to be immediately introduced to this woman who's saying who's calling him a demon. Yeah. He may have been the product of sort of an evil experiment. And his creation may have been evil, but he himself is not evil. Yeah. And Something that I still don't understand is the whole basis for his creation because we see this this old man who has his cookie making factory. He makes cookies or something and then he decides by looking at, at one of the things that cuts the dough and then he holds up a heart-shaped cookie to it and he's like, ah, yes, I'm going to make a man out of you, which is just... I don't I don't ever understand what the purpose for it was. Was it he made robots so he was like, okay, I guess I can I'm going to try to make a human now. He's pretty successful. Yeah, I just don't understand what the catalyst for that is. I don't know what if he intended Edward to be useful to him at all because he didn't have to start out by giving Edward scissor hands. Like he he very much could have just given him regular hands to begin with. I don't know because there's a scene where he's looking at a book with diagrams and it has the scissor hands as like a stage in the process of making a man. So maybe he did figure out like, oh, 
you have to go through this weird stage before mm. being a fully fledged man, which I think is sort of a universal thing for just growing up. Like you have mm. to be in uncomfortable situations yeah. and go through uncomfortable stage. Fa- phases of your life in order to be an adult. That makes sense. I did not think about it that way. I definitely thought about it on more on surface level, but that does make a lot more sense. Um, because I don't know when you go back to thinking about high school, you or stuff, there's definitely a lot of aspects of your personality that aren't developed yet. I'm not oh, finished yet. And when you experience trauma, a part of you is stuck in the stage of life that you were when you experienced that. And so maybe him staying, having to stay forever as having scissor hands has to do with, well, it does directly have to do with his creator dying and not being able to complete him. Yeah. That's very insightful, Marnie. Wow, you've done a good job. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, that's, that's a very good thought that it's a traumatic experience that he has to stay with. And then also, I think going into the town... And things that happen later on are also also add to that in a way. Um, he he does some things because of his hands that I think he will probably regret for the rest of his life. But there's nothing that he can do about it because that's just the way that he was made. Uh, so after after Peg has Edward come and be in, and live with her and her family. There's the women in the town who are obviously very intrigued by him. So they basically <laughs> force Peg to have a, a barbecue where all of them come to the barbecue and are just there to kind of ogle at Edward. But before this, Peg and her husband find or discover Edward's talent for creating topiaries. He makes a t-rex out of one of their bushes in their backyard and then makes a topiary of the family so the mom the daughter and the dad and the son which i just realized they're they're a perfect nuclear family because i've always thought of a nuclear family as one girl one boy and that's exactly what peg's family is so in a in a in kind of an outside way peg's family is Do the, they have a dog Yes, and they have a dog. So their family is... Do they have a dog? Wait, I might have hallucinated that. They might have a dog. I know there's dogs in the movie. If they don't, I'm sorry for lying. But either way, they, are, they, they out of everyone else in the movie, are the ideal family. And I think them being the ideal, kind American family, it just makes sense for them to take in Edward because they're the most perfect cookie cutter thing in this entire town and they're the ones who oh my god excuse me who take in the weird and crazy looking edward scissor hands i just think that that's such a fun little thing that they would be the perfect ones either way they have a barbecue and at this barbecue edward is able to show off the topiaries that he made in their backyard so the one of the family and then the one of the t-rex so from there on there's kind of this everyone is watching edward and is very much in awe of him and now they see that he has this knack for creating topiaries that they go ahead and start to he starts to make once in everybody else's yard as well so we have a montage of him making one in other people's yard and then unpaid yeah unpaid which is which is very kind. I, there's even a, a moment where they have a conversation where Edwards, Edwards with the family, and they're basically like, "Oh, Edward, are you you're asking? What are why you're not asking for pay?" And I don't know. I don't know if it's because he has no concept of money. I think throughout the movie, he's doing these acts of service for people as a way of earning the earning a place in their society. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, because. I think he just wants to be accepted and loved because he's never experienced that before. And when he sees that something that he's really good at and able to do pleases them, he keeps doing it. <laughs> and then one of my favorite things that he does 
um, in the movie is he cuts a dog's hair and it makes me really happy because there's no catalyst. I keep saying catalyst. There's no motivation behind, oh, hey, Edward, you should cut my dog's hair. It's, he sees. That's true with his first topiary though as well. He does it, yeah. he does it without asking, which is interesting. And it's unlike, it seems unlike his character. Yeah. Well, he sees um, the dad trying to cut a bush. He sees him trying to do it, and then he's like, "Well, I'll help." I, I think that's that's kind of the mindset behind it is that I'll he'll help the dad um, by cutting a bush, which I don't think he has any other idea of how else to cut a bush properly, because that's just kind of he just does what he does. Um, and I think it's very interesting that he goes straight to a T Rex because that's probably something he saw in magazines and stuff. That, so that he, in the books that his dad read. Yeah. Him. So yeah, so he had that to be able to draw. But he he cuts this dog's hair because he sees this little puppy. It's one of those dogs with really lo- with those really long hair, and he looks at it. and He's like, "Oh, this dog. He needs. He can't see." So he starts by cutting the hair out of out of his eye so the dog can see. And then he then he goes ahead and then gives him this whole like wacky little haircut, which is really really cute. And then that from there on spurs another thing, where everyone in the town is really thankful for edward and they all go and get him to cut their dog's hair boom 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 sorry my mouth's kind of tired from talking do you have i'm at the end of my notes but i'll continue to talk obviously okay so then everyone is spurred to come and get they all get in line to get their their dog's haircut in fun intricate ways and by the, from the first dog haircut we can already tell that Edward is going with his own artistic liberties in this he doesn't kind of follow any i mean he's never really seen the proper way to cut a dog so he kind of just goes with not he goes with whatever is in his head so he cuts this poodle and it very much this dog and then he starts then the dog now looks like a poodle but in his own little twist because he has these it just looks different i don't really know how to explain it you should google a picture of edward scissorhand dog something <laughs> either way he does that and then there is this, so this woman, Joyce, who I talked about earlier, she's the woman who tried to cheat on her husband probably successfully. She, she takes, she took, takes a weird, a really weird, um, liking to Edward in a very inappropriate way, considering he's very young and she's not, she, she takes a liking to him and she, she then asks him to cut her hair. And it's a very strange scene that goes on from there where she, I'm just not going to describe it. It's, it's a scene. It exists. It's a thing. And she asks him to cut her hair and then he does it in kind of a wacky, funky style, which I think you would kind of... How would you explain that hairstyle? Because it's not it's not bad. Well, it's asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. It's very different from day-to-day hairstyles yeah it's well it's different than sort of the retro normal Mm -hmm. hairstyles yeah i think it's something we'd see on a millennial today or or whenever hipsters were a thing i feel like a hipster would wear that haircut does that make sense would you agree uh so yeah and then he, and then other women also asks for haircuts and he gives them really unconventional haircuts, but they're all really happy with it. They all love it, which is very surprising. <laughs> very surprising. I think they enjoy more the fact that they're getting their haircut by him. And the fact that he's bringing something to this town that's outside the norm. Yeah, that's, that's different from what they're used to seeing. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what excites what excites Joyce so much is that he's different from all the people that are there and all the stuff that she's used to because she she's very much a character that seems as though she wants to break out from what's usually going on. She dresses very differently from everyone else. She's very promiscuous and very just different. But yeah. So once 
Edwards kind of built up this fame. He he goes to the bank and they're trying to see if he can open up a hair shop or a hair a hair salon. So he goes to the bank to try and get a to try and open up a hair salon. Wait, I think I'm going I'm I think I'm going in the wrong direction. So, oh okay, wait. Wait a minute. So Joyce has this place that she owns that's a hair salon and she brings Edward there to basically be like, here, look, this is what your hair, the, the hair station would look like, blah, 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 blah. And then she makes advances towards him that are very inappropriate and he gets out of it. And then he goes to back to the family and he's basically like, oh, uh, wait, what is he? He's basically like, oh, I'm back from the thing. And they're like, so did she show you the hair salon? She, he's like, yeah, after she tried to make moves towards me. No, he, he says it in a very innocent way. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, and you took all her clothes off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Because he doesn't necessarily know that that's weird or mm-hmm. that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. It, def- it definitely makes him uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. he doesn't really know why. Yeah. So that happens, which... I don't really want to dwell on that. I just want to, I just, the only thing that I really can glean from it is that it shows the cracks in the society that he's in. And it shows that he's being exploited in one way or mm-hmm. another. Yeah. For his differences. So after that scene, basically he's out of a salon and Peg being the amazing lady that she is, is still trying to get him a hair salon so he can make money so they go to the bank and the bank's basically like sorry can't they can't give him a loan he has no references no credit score or any of that shenanigans no birth certificate yeah no he he doesn't exist legally yeah so because of all of those (laughs) fabulous reasons he can't get a hair salon so peg says something about because he's obviously disappointed about it, Peg says something about, "Oh, through any meat, like we'll we'll get we'll get the money for that," and so that happens. But independent of that event, there's I forgot to mention somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way to where we are now, Kim comes home from camping, which she's Kim is Peg's uh, daughter. Kim comes home from camping and she has a boyfriend, and her boyfriend basically wants to steal something from his parents house yeah he doesn't seem like a jerk right away um i was kind of waiting for him to become a jerk because when there's a romance and the the girl has a boyfriend he's always a jerk so you don't feel bad about them breaking up um right off the bat he seems fine for like most of the movie and then he's like oh yeah i need to steal stuff from my dad because i want to get a car yeah, because he wants his own van so he can drive around and do inappropriate things. Yeah, and they figure out that um, that Edward can pick locks. And so they ask him, Kim, who's kind of skeptical about the whole thing, and her boyfriend ask Edward to do it. And her boyfriend's like, oh, uh, yeah, ask Edward because he'll do anything for you. Uh, and he's right. And so they do that. And that just shows like how... Edward is not only being exploited by the adults, but also by the teenagers. Yeah. And the entire time, Kim is very adamantly against this whole breaking and entering thing, which I think we kind of need to, in any way, support her as a character because she doesn't do a lot of, a lot of things that make us, to make us dislike her, but she doesn't really do anything to make us like her. But here, when she's trying to, trying to make sure that this, this she doesn't want to exploit edward um i think is what i'm trying to say but after uh so what happens is edward obviously listens to kim and goes to pick the lock for the guy's house and they get in and the security alarm goes off and the door closes in on edward so he's stuck inside of the house and so it appears as though he broke in but Kim, but the first really jerky thing that Kim's boyfriend does is he runs away and takes Kim with him to leave Edward behind. 
so that Edward will get caught. And Kim very much wants to go back to go get him because the police are coming to the house. And and the boyfriend doesn't let her. And blah, 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 blah. Edward gets caught. And so the police basically assume that he broke and entered into the house. Yeah. And they don't give him too hard a time because both the family and the police assume that he doesn't really know right from wrong because he's been isolated for so long. Yeah, which I think is really... The police throughout the entire movie really look out for him. Um, well, at least one of the officers does. He he tells Edward after he come, gets out of court or the or just gets out of jail, he tells him to be careful because I don't think he's scared about what Edward could do, but what the people could do, which is obviously foreshadowing. I just think it's very interesting how much this officer just kind of... Ki- kind of cares for him and the people but what i think is really interesting is that he's he's not white so the officer's black and he is the only from what i can remember only non-white hi guys sorry for the kind of abrupt (laughs) yeah i guess yeah definitely um yeah i'm really sorry about that uh tried to record the next part of this for Like three different times. Yeah. And it sucks because I was talking about something that I thought yeah, was... Yeah, I was spitting straight facts. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically... Here's the Sparks Notes. Here's the Sparks Notes for the fourth millionth time. Um, basically, the police officer is is African-American, and that causes him to be set aside by the all-white cast of the neighborhood. So, he obviously would know what it would be like to be an outsider. So, it makes sense for him to be the one to be giving Edward this, hey, be careful, because he knows what it's like to be an outsider. And I just think that that's a detail that's really cool, but I don't even know if they did that on purpose. Either way, that's what I thought. So (laughs) after that, I've said this so many times, Edward's, um, what is it? What is it? His His reputation begins to decline because he broke into a house and a lady is like, oh no, that that could have even been my house. That's crazy that this is happening. And then Joyce, who came on to Edward. Edward. <laughs> Can you tell it's it's 11 o'clock at night? I'm just kidding. It's not, it's it's 8 a.m. Um, yeah, I'm just kidding. I don't know. There's a lot of things happening. Anyways, um, so basically- It's actually 9.30. It is 9.30. It's the same thing as, as any other time. Continue. Continuing on. He- Joyce Joyce comes on to him and she basically had twisted that around to make all of the other women think that he had come on to her and tried to sexually assault her. But that we obviously, as the audience know that that's not true. So from this point on, everyone's becoming way more skeptical of Edward and a lot more suspicious of him as a person. And also his sort of novelty is wearing off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We see it, I think, especially with with Peg because she had a bob at the beginning of the movie and then Edward cut her hair and now she has very short hair, which I think is kind of going back to there's like only so much that he he can cut, you know, he's because he's obviously cutting it faster than it's growing back. So I also think that her change in haircut... um, shows a sort of modernization Mm -hmm. that he's brought to the yes yeah that makes sense and i agree with that wholeheartedly my ears are ringing that means someone's talking good about me is it you are you talking are you thinking are you thinking positive thoughts about me no only negative (laughs) uh okay so in the next sort of scene it's christmas time and edward is sculpting a like a sculpture out of a giant block of ice and it's as he's shaving down the ice it's creating snow Snow. um and one thing that i think is really interesting about this is see i did that thing i said i think this is really interesting i'm rubbing off on you yeah because everything is just so interesting so interesting all of the time let's go shopping Uh (laughs) (laughs) sorry Sorry, there's um, there's a this is not a thing to do with the movie, but there's a um, a British girl who she introduced me to this amazing American stereotype of us going shopping all the time. 
which is which is not wrong. And I yeah. Anyways, okay. Um, what they just like grow their own groceries in Britain or <laughs> the bags too. Tesco is a lie. You anyways, yeah. I'm continuing in my point. The um during while Edward is shaving this ice down, the dad is putting up fake snow on the roof. He's sort of rolling out these felt um sheets to simulate snow and it's that, kind of like the thing you put underneath your Christmas tree. To like, ca- do you ever do that? You put it under your Christmas tree to like make it look like there's like snow at the bottom. I guess. Um, but it just furthers how fake everything in this little society seems. And then Edward is coming in and changing that and making real snow, uh, which we see at the end of the movie and at the beginning with the. Um, present day mm-hmm. with the daughter telling her granddaughter in the present day about why it snows. Yeah. And through this scene is where we hit the climax of the movie is Edward is making this sculpture and Kim comes out and she's already broken up with her boyfriend at this point. So her and Edward have had, I guess, a little bit of a romance and she comes out and she dances. She's dancing in the snow. And it's this really pretty scene of Winona Ryder just, you know, dancing in the snow. And then she has her hand out. And then I think Edward does some, reaches his hand down to try and continue to keep cutting the snow. And he ends up cutting her hand. And, the, and Kim's ex-boyfriend sees this. And he thinks that he jumps to the conclusion that Edward had tried to attack Kim. When Kim even herself was like, no, he didn't mean to do it on purpose. So this whole thing kind of starts this big spiral that happens where everyone is starting a mob kind of forms and everyone's freaking out over Edward having hurt her and Kim's telling Edward to run and to get away. And Edward runs into, uh, well, no, Edward's, he's not, he's Kim's younger brother is walking out onto the street and he's about to get hit by a car. And so Edward tackles him to get him out of the way of the car. But because Edward has, you know, knives for fingers, he's trying to like help the help him get up and stuff, but he's just cutting him. And it's this really like uncomfortable scene. I really didn't like watching it, but Marnie made a good point. One of the first times that we tried to record this, um, if you want to say it, that the reason that it's kind of uncomfortable that he's, trying he's still cutting at him you can you can paraphrase it okay you said that basically it shows his still kind nature where he's trying to help but it's not his fault that he is the way he is and he just can't so all all this mob kind of forms around him as he's it's it's this theme throughout the movie where he's trying to help and he actually ends up hurting people Mm -hmm. yeah even in his own little curiosity of things he ends up hurting himself. There's at the very beginning of the movie, he looks in a mirror, I think possibly for the first time and he tries to touch his own face, but he cuts himself. So this happens and there's a mob forming around him. And I think the police also get called at some point. Yes. The police get called and there's a chase to try and come after to get Edward and Kim's told him to run. The police officer arrives and finds Edward and Edward runs to, up back to the castle and the police officer shoots his gun not at edward but into the sky i think kind of as to make the people feel safe and to make oh no i i don't know i struggle to, to say that it's a warning for edward about coming back because the expression on the officer's face is very much of concern and sadness because i i'm pretty sure he knew that something like this was going to happen with someone like like edward but he but there's nothing that he can do. He just kind of does it to appease the people. So Edward is back in his little castle. And I think Kim Kim goes with him, goes to find him. No, 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 no. Kim's boyfriend goes after him because he's still rampaging. And he goes up there to try to hurt him. And Kim follows after him. And Kim is basically like there in the fray as Edward and 
Kim's ex-boyfriend are fighting. And through this, the mob is coming back up, up, up the hill and Kim's ex-boyfriend falls out of a window and dies, which then is obviously a really big dramatic thing. So Kim finds an extra like hand prototype thing for edward so she goes to tell to lie to the town to be like edward's dead they killed each other kind of as a a lesson i guess to be like look what look what this did it ended up killed they ended up killing each other and that's kind of the end of that and the mob goes back to town and edward is left to be in the house all all by himself presumably and presumably stays there for eternity Mm mm-hmm which the movie then goes back to the old woman talking to her granddaughter, which I already knew was Winona Ryder when I when I saw the movie open up because I've just seen her in a bunch of other things and I know her now as I think a forty year old woman. Forty She's probably like forty or fifty. Yeah, forty or fifty year old woman. So because I know her now as that, I was pretty easily easy able easily able to discern her her voice so i knew that it was her the whole time but she kind of just tells she's 51 she's 51 so she tells her granddaughter well her granddaughter asks her why don't you go back up there to greet him again and she goes well i want him to remember as i him as i was because she is now older and basically the explanation for why there was snow is that edward continues to make sculpt ice sculptures and it causes somehow projects snow onto the entire neighborhood and that's kind of how the movie ends i think that shows the lasting influence he had on the town yeah that he still somehow changed it even after they cast him away and i just i'm very focused on the entire idea of the mob mentality that occurs around him that even though he showed them so much kindness and he showed so much goodness towards the people in the town, they still turn against him in the end. Uh, no, like they, it's just, it's so, it's not even strange to me. I know why, but back to, I know I just summarized the entire, the rest of the end up of the movie, but back to the weird religious girl that we talked about earlier, she shows up again after Edward's, has already uh, gotten in trouble by the police for the first time. She basically goes to the town and she's like, I told you guys, I told you he was a demon. And then she becomes part of the group. She becomes part of the group of women and Peggy does not. Pe- like Peggy is, was going to host a Christmas party and nobody comes to it because Peggy is not in anymore. Because she doesn't have the exact same mentality as everybody else. Which I think is really interesting. How religious lady was out when everyone was interested with Edward. But she's in once everyone's turning against him. But Peggy, who was always looking out for him, was only popular when she thought the same thing as everybody else. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's most of my my thoughts on the movie we still have about 10 minutes left to talk so yeah i want to know like what you have you thought any more about your like what you just like your overall impression of the movie yeah i think i want to talk a little more about how edward can symbolize um like disabilities Mm -hmm. or being neurodivergent or different in a society that is not accepting of that yeah 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 yeah. go ahead um so i think that edward one of the ways that this movie could be viewed is edward's scissor hands as a sort of metaphor for disability um because it's something that he can't control and it's something he's ostracized for. And I think at one point, Peg tells her son, oh, it's rude to stare, which is something that is very common among people with visible disabilities or people that act differently yeah. 
than what we expect. Anyone who, especially with younger kids, anyone who looks different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely, um, Tim Burton, he enjoys, he said before that he really, he feel, he views himself as someone who's outside of the, a normal director. And I think that in his movies, especially ones that are good representations of his work, such as Edward Scissorhands and The Corpse Bride, show his, how he likes to portray an outsider. And I don't know if he completely had this idea of a person who was disabled in mind, but I think you bringing that up is a very good point that it is just like, it reminds me of how there are people who at schools have had disabilities and if it's an of advantage if it's of advantage to some people they will try and exploit them for it but then if they're no longer of use to them make fun of them for it mm-hmm. or it also uh demonstrates how certain disabilities can provide certain advantages mm-hmm. so like for example if i know that dyslexia is an example of this like it provides challenges it, preve- it presents challenges, but also people with dyslexia are known to be really creative. And so that's an example of like how that can mirror someone like Edward, who mm-hmm. is can be very creative and can use his uh, scissor hands for good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's very challenging for him to navigate life with it. Yeah. And... And there's very few people that accept him for it. Which, what I really like about the movie is that Peg and her family don't ever turn their back on Edward. Even at the end, they still are trying to get everybody to get off of Edward and to get away from him. Because they're the ones who live with Edward and actually know him. Whereas everybody else only knows the small little snippet that they've seen of him which so i have so uh, my boyfriend he has a older brother with um with special needs and there have been there have been people who have said some very very unkind things about him before and and obviously from like that little snippet that that person had seen of him, they don't know what he likes or what or what he's like as a person. So because they don't have any insight to his life, they don't see the value that he holds uh, that I've been fortunate enough to see or that my boyfriend got with being his brother. So because everyone in the town only gets these snippets of Edward, they have the, they're able to more easily fabricate this idea of him in their brain unlike Peg and her family who live with him and have cared for him and have conversations with him and actually get to see what he's really like as a person. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird movie. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely, there's lots of things that I still don't understand. I don't understand how Edward was able to get little clippings of things and put them onto his wall if his hands were scissors, how did he glue them on? That the how did he apply glue to things is what I want to <laughs> what I want to know. How he how did he make his bed? That is something I want to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just being goofy, but overall, I personally enjoyed the movie. I didn't enjoy certain aspects of it, but I think that's just because I was uncomfortable with the with the slight gore. But the discomfort is part of mm-hmm. you understanding Edward's experience. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think that if they took that away, it would take away some of the um, the meaning behind it. So it's good that they kept it in. I just am very squeamish. So you, what about you? What did you think of the movie? I give it a 7 out of 10. Valid. I think I'm, I'm also... I think I'm in between 7 and... 7.5 so 7.25 7.25 yes that is my final rating for this movie but yeah i think we're done i think that was a good good go t- high five was that loud enough loud enough for the for the microphone 
We're not Wait, I'm gonna put. My Hold on. There we go. All right. After so many technical difficulties, we've made it to the end. Let's hope the whole episode doesn't get deleted. Yay! All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, we don't know what we're gonna be doing in two weeks, but we will be doing something. Um, if you have any movie suggestions. It may not be a film, but it will land. Yeah. All right. On that note, wait. Actually, say say something interesting. Uh, did you know that? All right. You ready? And on that note, uh, th goodbye, guys. Rats are absolutely going to hate this announcement. The rats don't run this city. We do. <laughs> Just off the button that I meant to hit. No, it's wonderful. All right. Bye. Bye. Losers.